The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Well, it was bound to happen. Alex came back from his family vacation. Norway's loss is our gain, I guess. Hey everyone, Alex here. Welcome to Retire With Style, and I'm here with my trusted companion, Wade Fowl. Wade, how are you? I'm doing great. Hi everyone. Wade, did you miss me? I did. Yeah, you were off swimming in the fjords of Norway. <laughs> Tried to hold yeah, down the fort in your absence. It's tough. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And there's some stories behind that. Uh, but I'd like to welcome two very special guests on this episode of Blossom. Now, uh, two very special <laughs> guests here. We have Bob Bove and David Meller from the 4-8 group. Hey, guys. How you doing? Awesome. Good to be with you guys. Nah, thank you for yes. joining us. Really yeah. appreciate it. I know it's always touch and go, right? When you get an email from me saying, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're excited. We're excited to talk to you guys. All right. Uh, be, before we get going, you want to give you want to give everyone your like origin story? That way they can contextualize uh, the stuff that we're going to be talking about. Uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a story that goes back uh, about close to 24 years ago and um, wasn't really too sure what I wanted to do with the rest of my life at the age of uh, 43 and um, had an opportunity to work with a friend of mine that was actually in the mortgage business. And um, back in the day, he was with a uh, broker dealer called Financial Investment Network Corporation. He seemed to hit me up at the right time because I had just come out of a 401k meeting with a, a company that I was working for and didn't understand a word the guy was saying. Hmm. And I felt Was that there needed, to be, <laughs> there needed to be some simplicity and stewardship and advocacy brought to this industry that I'm now in. And um, that's the long story short on, on, on a, coming up to a 24-year career. All right. And you said a word that I think will, will reverberate uh, during this interview, uh, stewardship. I, I, I think this is just if you can take a moment to maybe, uh, you know, a little bit of a curtain call with regards to your firm. How do you view stewardship from uh, the wealth management perspective, you know, with, as part of the 4-8 group? Because I think you, yeah. you guys embody that. Yeah, we um, it goes back to I mean, remember Sully, the gentleman that landed the plane. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and this goes so much in line with what we're about to talk about. Sully uh, tells a story on <clears throat> after he got a bunch of boxes of water soaked, still water soaked uh, items from the plane. He saw a, a, a fortune cookie and um, I forget exactly what the fortune cookie said, but it said something about stewardship. And he was sharing this with his daughter and his daughter said, Dad, what is stewardship? And Sully said, well, stewardship is doing the right thing, even when it seems to be inconvenient. And, you know, 
we've been, you know, utilizing annuities for our, our clients a long time ago, way before it seemed, you know, convenient and when it was out of flavor, basically. So, uh, you know, just being a good steward of our clients' money and doing the right thing that's going to help them, you know, in their own unique desirement. That is just, you know, we're, we're, we're trusted advisors. And no, I that's, think that's, that's the way I view it. All right. And, and uh, interesting story, Bob, because I can relate to that. Whenever something is inconvenient for me, I just ask Wade to do it. So that's, 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 writing the papers. Uh, that's my form of uh, stewardship. <laughs> hey, not 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 Ocam's, ra- not Ocam's razor, Wade's razor, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Wade's razor. Uh, David, uh, why don't you chime in here, man? Number one, tell me how many times you've heard uh, Bob's story about stewardship and the fortune cookie. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> no but how, how do you come into the picture man yeah definitely so you know really that kind of like typing in my journey into how i got with the Ford group as well was you know i was at a big firm and was looking for you know uh, another firm out there that matched my values and that value truly is putting the client first and that's you know unfortunately it was hard for me to find until i did find the 4a group and driving that and explaining that every day in every meeting that you have, even if it's a client that's been with the firm for all the 24 years, is really re- like reminding them and resonating with them of what our mission is and how stewardship really gears every single decision that we're making for the betterment of not only them, their families, but also all the causes that they care about. So we really had that strong belief that we, that we bring to every meeting that is, is so needed in this industry. And I think, especially what you guys see as well, and why Risa even came to fruition was there was a gap, there was a need, and you guys you know, took up the flag and said, we can do this, we can make this better, we can make eventually many thousands, millions of lives better. No, that's, that's good. I have two, two questions from that, and we'll get into the, the Risa, but I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I always, when we get into firms, one of the reasons we wanted to do the, the voices of advisors is because I love just bringing to light advisors that aren't in the, you know, that don't make a business of being on every TV show and stuff like that, because I think the real advisors are, are folks like you, not, not someone like myself, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's in the trenches and, and loves doing what they're doing. Uh, wh- Two questions. Why was it hard for you to find somebody, David, that 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 sort of aligned with your values in this industry? And uh, if you don't mind, Bob, maybe taking the second part, which is what does that mean? The four eight group, because, you know, it's a podcast and people may not know that it's four semicolon eight, you know, that kind of thing or the right 48 right and right I'm point. just deconstructing the number, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sure. David, why don't you take it away and Bob take it home? Sure. Yeah. So why it was hard, unlike anything, especially when you're making a decision of, in, in my, in my experience of where I want to, you know, have an impact and a strong impact in a career is, you know, finding a place where you can actually feel and see uh, you know, a mission statement of a company every day. And so going from a, a big company, I knew I wanted to go smaller to be able to see if that characteristic was drawn out and not just, all right, the lead advisor of the firm, but everybody buys into. And you can't really get that automatically from just, you know, going and interviewing at places and, and you know, looking people up on LinkedIn and having quick conversations or coffees. And there, there really aren't many coincidences in life. And 
me meeting the Fourier group, meeting Bob Bove, a lot of things just you start to pick up and notice and like lined up, as you could say. And it really came then to fruition when I discovered why uh, and how you should invest clients' money using evidence-based investing in, in our firm's belief and having a philosophy that you're going to stick to, you know, no matter if it's rain, sunshine, snow, you know, the best days and the worst days, there's a foundation there. And that's what I was really looking for, especially early on and young in my career as I, as I was, I wanted to have something to believe in when I was speaking with people about their most important financial matters. So that's why it was, Alex, as you can imagine, hard to find that because there's so many different types of advisors out there and I was trying to find a very particular foundation. No, I think it's a great answer. And then Bob, how did it, the 4-8? Yeah, so 4.8 is a uh, Bible passage from Philippians 4.8 that says, uh, Finally, brothers and sisters, focus on things that are pure, praiseworthy, loving, admirable, noble, true, excellent, and real. And uh, it's sort of funny, you know, when the firm started to grow back in the day, I, I, wanted to, I needed to come up with a name. I was with a, a pretty big broker-dealer <clears throat> in town here, or a, a pretty big firm. Everybody knew who the firm was, but then I started, you know, they know who yeah. Bob Bove is. They don't know who the firm is. So I wanted to come up with a name. And um, I was reading a book um, by Tommy Newberry, who uh, we have this thing called Return on Meaning Speaker Series. He's actually going to be speaking at one of our uh, speaker series this year in October. And his book was 40 Days to a Joy-Filled Life, The 4-8 Principle. I started reading it. And, you know, as David says, we're evidence-based ad advisors. And uh, I started, this is sort of silly. I started thinking, well, you know, there's a couple Nobel Prize winners at DFA I happen to think it's excellent. I know it's true. And uh, I just happened to come up with the name, the 4-8 group. And uh, back in the day when we were trying to brand it and come up with some things, uh, the marketing gentleman says, so what, what do you really do? And I said, well, it's more than money and what we do. And of course, being the marketer that he was, he said, okay, let's, it's beyond wealth. Is that what you're telling me? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. So that's how we came up with the name, the 4-8 group. I think it's I think it's fantastic, and I think I, I commend you for it simply because it, it it goes beyond money. There's that sort of existential piece to it, as opposed to calling yourself like Harbor Capital Management. Not that yeah. there's anything wrong with any firm called Harbor yeah. Capital Management or even McLean Asset Management. That's that's a pretty yeah. crappy name. You know, if you really take a step back, and that's our name. I mean, we're, <laughs> it's McLean, Virginia. Yeah. We were in a hurry, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, I think it, I think it's good, and and I think it's actually uh, you are ahead of the curve because I, mm -hmm. I, I do think uh, the the industry is really moving beyond maximizing or optimizing stuff on an Excel sheet and optimizing stuff on your like personal mm -hmm. sort of belief system, you know, and how money contextualizes it and accommodates that. So I, I, I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Wait, any any Risa questions or? <laughs> what, well, what I mean, yeah, we definitely want to talk about that too. I just we did, and for the listeners, we first met uh, Robert about a year ago at a DFA conference, and that's Dimensional Fund Advisors, yeah. which yeah, Eugene Fama, Nobel Laureate. Uh, mm -hmm. Do they have other? Yeah, there's others. <laughs> Rex. Oh yeah, on DFA or yeah, on yeah. University of Chicago. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Bob Markovich, right? Yeah, yeah Robert yeah, yeah. Markovich, yeah. Or uh, Markowitz. Harry, Harry Markowitz. Markowitz, yeah. Harry Markowitz, right? <laughs> yeah. So. 
All right. Yeah, it was very interesting to see you guys, you know, uh, you know, at, at the DFA uh, conference. And, and again, you know, I mean, when I saw on the um, agenda that you guys are going to be talking about, you know, income and, and, and using annuities, this is something that we've been using for a long time. And I think it just shows where the industry has gone. I mean, we followed Wade, you know, many, many years and guys like Mosh and, you know, really smart guys that I think the biggest thing that I get out of it is that you all wonder, why aren't more people using annuities, right? And so uh, it was a pleasure to see you both there. And, you know, Alex is one of a kind. It was it was very nice to meet him. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean that in a good way. <laughs> no, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, often yeah. imitated, never duplicated. Right? <laughs> uh, but uh, what, what's, what was your, since we got you here, at, at, it's an interesting piece. What was your first take when you heard the craziness, when Wade and I are on stage talking about this, which I think, Probably was the first time you and you and I Wade were together on a stage, uh, uh-huh. at least for finance. No, <laughs> we're, we're we're discussing stuff, right? I mean, right. what, what was yeah, your take, Bob? Because I think it was a relatively new new concept at that time. You know, as, as well, you were confirmation in. first and foremost, and confirmation to you know what I've believed, uh, f- you know, for a very very long time. Look, I mean, being a, a, a DFA advisor, an evidence based advisor wasn't very popular no. 18 years ago. No one was talking about fees. No one was talking about, you know, all the data that was out there and how these data nerds back in the day, basically, you know, close to 50 years ago, had all this evidence at the Chicago School of Business where they could call bullshit yeah. on our industry, right? And so to, I'm sure as heck not a pioneer, but, you know, to we always wanted to do things, I guess, just what's right for the client. And I knew in my heart of hearts, and I can tell you so many stories how, you know, I would do a discovery meeting and, you know, one of the spouses would say, oh, my husband's never going to do an annuity. He's totally against annuities. And, you know, at first I had a, but not for long. I mean, for a moment, I'm like, well, do I really want this client? This is a pretty big client. Maybe I shouldn't bring up annuities. But I'm like, no, we're doing this for the client. And sure enough, that guy is one of my biggest advocates now. and, And I stuck to my guns because I knew this was the right thing to do. And uh, so to see you guys up there on stage, like I said, it was just, yeah, man, that, I, I mean, I was excited. I think I was texting all kinds of people. I can't believe oh, cool, I was up at a DFA conference talking about annuities and stuff. <laughs> yeah, for DFA to do that. And, and look, we, we share a similar thing over at McLean. Look, uh, I got into this business in 01, like a few months before 9-11. And uh, right about when 9-11 hit, you know, maybe really right around that time, I got into the industry thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be like the next Warren Buffett. I'm, I'm going to figure things out. But then you start researching and you realize, listen, investments are not that hard <laughs> at the end of the day. It's just, you know, it is what it is. You capture returns, you capture them across certain premiums, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, you and, what Warren Buffett say, Alex, in almost every one of his letters to his yeah, show. Yeah, index. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about but, the bet that he had, right? Yeah, with, with the hedge share. funds and stuff like that. No, no, 100%. So you are, and, so you are Warren Buffett. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the, 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 the idea was you had to just eat with your beliefs and, you know, data is data, right? And so we, we, we switched everything at that point because, it, you know, the easiest thing to sell is magic, honestly. It's to say someone that you have some sort of value and, you know, bring them some charts in the back and say, look what a genius I am. And it's, you know, look at these returns, right? The hardest thing to do is to sell humility, right? And and, and to a large extent, 
hand over my heart, we, we had to go that route simply because I, you know, we just couldn't live with ourselves 20, 30 years or the next 20, 30, 40 years, you know, selling, selling the bullshit, you know, since you, you wow. wait, he was the first one that yeah, cussed yeah. on me. So don't look <laughs> yeah, at me that way. It reminds me of a, of a great saying about our industry basically is complexity is easy to charge for, but hard to understand. Simplicity is easy to understand, but hard to charge for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. that's you know, No. And, and remember when people were getting into DFA, the, the, a lot of the things was if you do indexing, how are you going to charge? Mm-hmm. You know, blah, blah. And they don't realize it's, it's wealth management, et cetera. But the point was hand over the heart. And the similar, the similar experience was when Wade joined us, the reality is, and Wade had, we had this conversation. Remember, Wade, we were heading towards like the Christmas holiday party. And we, I, I think you brought up, hey, but, you know, McLean is fee only. You know, we're going to start talking about annuities and their usefulness. Does that matter? And, and I, I think I was like, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? If research shows that that's what it shows, then we move forward and, and don't look back. And we don't carry these marketing like truisms uh about fee only or any of that crap it, it's just it's what's good for the client and amen and that's that <laughs> yeah. full stop mm-hmm. yeah definitely <laughs> you know and if you don't believe it then <laughs> I, I i i think you need to go to the eye doctor because you know there's plenty of stuff to read that's pretty obvious right <laughs> you know amen yeah you know but you know that that's where that is, and and David, did you get the text from from Bob or no? He didn't text you. No, not that one. <laughs> or is it one of those when Bob comes back for a conference? It's like, hey guys, let's have a lunch. Let's have a lunch meeting, and yeah. he shoots off twenty things that oh, he yeah. wants to do next, yeah. and everyone's like, yeah. oh my goodness. Everyone's like, give him a week. Back. He'll forget about all of this. Yeah, not on a weekend. Yeah, phone call on a Sunday. Hey, and there's a rattle off of everything. Like, okay. <laughs> Well, if it don't don't worry, because once Bob, I don't know if you remember, you called me once like on a Saturday. Yeah, you called me once on a Saturday. I was like doing a cold plunge. I got in the cold plunge, and my phone rings. I'm like, who the hell is that? Who's calling me on a Saturday? And it was Bob. And I was like, look at this guy. I have to pick up because I'm like, what the hell is this guy gonna tell me on a Saturday? Yeah, yeah, I can't wait till Monday. Yeah, something like it was something like that. But I was like, I gotta pick up. I mean, I cannot. Let, yeah. it, let it just ring. Amen. <laughs> That's me. No, I don't care. I'm the same way. I always Doesn't tell people, matter. be yourself because everybody else is taken, right? Yeah, right. And look, it's it's what you signed up for when, when yeah. we took this gig. So I, yeah. I it doesn't bother me in the slightest, yeah. you know? And yeah. so, so now bringing it back to the Risa, right? <laughs> yeah. It back to, what, what, what is your take on the role but besides saying, oh, wow, this is kind of cool? What? <laughs> What do you think the role that it plays in in the whole discovery process? Yeah, I think what it does in the discovery process is, you know, we, we have a saying here that, you know, we, we want to take our clients from wondering and worrying to living and dreaming and to help them identify on their own, not just what we think they should do, you know, how do they really want to create their um, their standard of living? Because I think it was you, Alex, that said a measure of someone's standard of living is not their net worth at this phase of their uh, investing career. It's their income stream. Right. So how do you how are you going to go from wandering and worrying to living and dreaming 
you know, because we believe more than anything else that our clients deserve to win. After 30 years, 40 years of blood, sweat, and tears, sacrificing, getting knocked down, picking themselves back up, they deserve to live an amazing life of significance and just, you know, turning on as much stuff as they can on autopilot. And so we let them through that RISA dictate how much of their income stream do they want, you know, as, you know, the four quadrants say. And it's, it's just a wonderful tool to use. And it, uh, from a compliance standpoint, it's awesome because this is them telling us, you know, and um, it's, uh, it's been really, really good. It has. So. Are you a financial professional looking to learn more about the RISA and retirement income best practices? Well, if you are, you should join our Retirement Income Masterclass on Monday, August 28th and Tuesday, August 29th. You can sign up at resaprofile.com slash advisors. That's resaprofile.com slash advisors. No, no, that, that's, that's interesting. That's, thank you for that. And just to bring to light, how does, how does this fit in or does it in the current way that you're practicing sort of your discover meetings and the like. And I think something that would be interesting for both in this podcast, we have consumers and advisors that listen in. And so I think it's interesting for consumers simply because there's a process to discover meetings that really good advisors follow, mm-hmm. you know, it's semi-structured, <laughs> albeit, but still there's, there's a process there. And I'd love your thoughts on just the discovery process that good advisors really utilize and how, if, the RISA fits into that uh, workflow. And we should probably well, define talk about the discovery discover- meetings in case anyone listening doesn't okay, know yeah, well, the connection <laughs> meeting. I'll talk about it in, in, the, in the concept of a prospect coming in. Then I'll sure. let David talk about it uh, as far as, you know, we always like to have these conversations on income, you know, anywhere from, um, I would say, at a minimum five to 10 years out. So sort of like a rediscovery meeting when we're putting together the income plan. But, you know, discovery meeting for us is, is, is um, and we learned this from CEG. And it's, it's, it's more about, again, it goes beyond wealth. It's more about the, it's more than just the assets. So we'll have a discovery meeting. We'll share with them that this is going to be a long-term relationship. So we want to know things like, we center around seven different areas, I think. Your value, mm-hmm your relationships that are important to you, what goals or transitions are you looking to accomplish? Uh, what are your interests? How well, how uh, are involved are you? Do you want to be in the process of working with us? Who are some of your other financial advisors and trusted advisors besides just financial advisors, CPAs, attorneys, and, and that type of mm-hmm. thing? Because we, we have this beautiful thing called a virtual family office that we can get into at a later time if we have time. And then we talk about <clears throat> the assets because it is so far beyond wealth. You know, a good question that we always like to ask our, our clients before we get to know them is like, what's what's the first recollection you had of money? What was money like growing up for you? You know, and so we get to find out, you know, are our clients, these prospects, do they fit into the the 4-8 group set of values? You know, are they family? We really like working with family stewards. And so sure. we really don't get into the RISA that much you know, when we have a, a, a prospect, but if that prospect is a little bit older, you know, and he's getting ready to turn on some income, we will incorporate that. And I can, I can turn it over to David here on how we incorporate the, the RISA inside that discovery meeting. Mm-hmm. David, yeah. fire away, man. Yeah. And again, as, as Bob was saying, starting <laughs> off 
with those values as the first thing that you ask somebody, especially when they're joining, joining you in a meeting um, and asking them where their origin story starts with money ends up being, you know, a really good indicator for us as advisors who are sitting there saying, all right, they, they could land, you know, anywhere from type time segmentation here to total return risk wrap or protected income. But by them telling those original stories, we have a pretty good idea. All right. They're going to probably want this, but that enhancement of actually having them tell us through, through a RISA after that first connection meeting really plainly states out, Oh, well, this is why they're, they want protected income because, you know, for some reason, you know, their history and their past, you know, money wasn't talked about. Money was always gone at the end of the month. Dad was laid off. He was a laborer. So they remember, you know, Christmas was just socks and underwear. That's all they got, right? It's those type of things that you get in a discovery meeting by asking, you know, the values first that makes that reason make a little bit more sense and have a little bit more backbone to it. That really helps our discovery process be more uh, productive and you know, emphasize on the client, giving us more information about them rather than, oh, here's all the things about the 4A group. No, that's great. Here's a- <clears throat> Yeah, so we've incorporated that RISA like in the end of our discovery meeting, especially for those clients that, you know, are getting ready to retire and they want some guidance there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next meeting that they come to is what we call uh, our um, investment plan meeting or um, mm-hmm. Uh, possibilities meeting. And then that's where we'll lay out. Have we seen gaps where you're at? Can we be better? And here's how we plan on producing income for you based off of everything that you told us during gotcha. that discovery meeting. Here's a, here's a side question. And I'm, I'm it's just something that I, you know, I, I feel very candid with you folks. And if, if I'm a prospect and, and I'm curious what your answer is, because this is me with my kind of SOB head on, you know, if I'm a prospect and I walk in and you ask me, hey, what are your first recollections of money? I'm like, what the hell did I just get into? Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of here. I don't have time for this. You know what I mean? And and I, I got to think there's some people that are thinking the oh, same yeah. thing, listening and like, what is this bullshit? You yeah. know what I mean? Dude, this is here about managing yeah. my assets. All of a sudden yeah. you want to be my psychiatrist or yeah. psychologist or my best yeah. friend. I, I don't. I don't need this. You know, what what would you do to that? Because I think I would be in that camp a little bit, at least in the hands of somebody that's not that doesn't have a lot of acumen in terms of these meetings. You know what I mean? Like, well, probably, you know, if it was back in the day, we would probably say that's okay. We'll just go right to the assets. You know, back in the day, when we we take anybody that could fog a mirror. Right. (laughs) But, you know, we truly believe that we want to have, I mean, what, what, what are we all here on earth for? We got to, we're here to have a positive impact on people. And there's some people that come in here that we're not going to have a positive impact. They're not going to see the value that we bring. And that's okay. And because one of the things that we tell them during that discovery, me, I'm glad you brought this up because it's important is like, look, the only decision that you're going to have to make today is do you want to come back? to see us. But at the same time, we're going to share with you, do you, do we think that we can be a value? Do In actuality, do we really want to uh, have you as a client? Because if I don't think I can be a value or we're going to have an impact on them or they don't appreciate what we do, then that's okay. I mean, it truly is. And it's, it's, it's really been, I mean, it's good to see that up front, you know, <laughs> before yeah, they yeah. become a client, right? 
Wait, that reminds. Did you see what a what a smooth operator Bob is with, with that answer? I, I, what's that meme? What's that? What's that cartoon where they take my money and he's throwing the money at the <laughs> oh the Futurama? The it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, Futurama. That Futurama meme <laughs> where he's like, "Take my money." That's a great. That's a great response. No, no, no. I hear you, but you know why I'm making fun a little bit. I'm not making fun of you. I mean, you're really good, but there's this sort of yeah. vibe where everyone just like they almost like are not as competent as you would like them to be with financial planning. And they just lean into like becoming your best friend. And it's like, dude, where, where are you going with this? Well, you know, Alex, that all goes back to being, you know, what I truly believe that what one of the things that differentiates uh, our group here is that we're not advisors, right? Advisors basically inform, you know, leaders transform. You know, we've been transforming clients before I even knew it, just with respects to, you know, how to invest the money with in evidence-based way, right? We've been transforming clients the way they think about how they're going to turn on income streams. We've been transforming clients on that there's more to life than just money. It's about meaning. It's about having purpose. You know, we talk about, you know, uh, having what is your unique desirement, not retirement, right? And we, we, we explain, this is Mitch Anthony, man, from, you know, yeah, back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah. Mitch Anthony's definition of desirement is, is having um, enough wealth to sleep at night and enough purpose to get your butt out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really, you know, and a lot of, hey, some people may believe, oh, that's a bunch of BS. You just want to accumulate assets, whatever. Well, if that's what you want to believe, fine. But that's not what we're about. And we built a very good business here over 24 years. That's what we're known for. That's exactly what we're known for. No, and Bob, I'm pushing the buttons a little bit yeah. just so people kind of, you know, listen to what like a real advisor, how, how they really <laughs> view these things, you know. Yeah. So thank you, you know, for, for humoring yeah. me there a little bit. Although I, I do sometimes I'm like, what? When, when I hear other advisors. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, in terms of like, okay, you're, you, you've done the discovery, you're in the possibilities meeting and and the like. Does the RISA, you know, if someone's total return or if someone is income protection or, or what have you, does that does that begin to serve as a nice starting point for potential opportunities that you may bring up to the prospect or a client in a review meeting or no, not really? No, I definitely say it brings up a lot of those opportunities, especially depending on where they're coming from. And in a lot of cases, if they even have a philosophy to begin with, but what I think the RISA does such an amazing job of is makes you make a decision every single question. Whereas your typical risk tolerance questionnaire that we give the client to say, all right, here's how your allocation is going to be. I often will get an email or phone call. I don't really know how to answer this one question you guys have on here. Whereas the RISA is saying, you have to choose left or right. There's no just, yeah. there's no middle get out of jail free card here. So yeah. what that really does also for us is we're building, you know, these possibilities for what their, where their whole entire investment plan should be is saying, this is what you've told us. This is how you want to receive a paycheck when you're, when you're done working. And it's also telling us this probably isn't going to change. This is your behavior. This is, you know, Wade's done such a great job in rooting this in so many different ways and stress testing it that this really won't change a bunch unless all of a sudden you win the lottery and you're like, all right, let's let's do whatever we want. Yeah. You know, 
And that's such a beautiful thing for advisors and, and for us and Bob and I to be able to make a plan for somebody to say, this is, this is in your essence what you want. And that allows us to do our job even better as educators and leaders to them to say, here's what you want and here's the evidence of why this is going to work best for you based off of these results. And give you the highest probability of success. No, sure. Uh, and and I, I, I think a couple of thoughts. Yeah, the, the way the questions are formed, you, you have to pick a side. It, it's, it's like six options. There's no middle... There's no mm -hmm. middle bubble, if you will. Uh, you have to sort of make, uh, you know, that that Solomon's decision. You, to, you know, there's no splitting of the baby, mm -hmm. if you will. You you kind of have to <laughs> pick a side. Yeah. Uh, uh, so and you do that enough times, uh, an intrinsic sort of personality will come out. Now, mind you, that's not a hard science, as we've always said. Results vary, but for the most part, these are more intrinsic uh, preferences that you're seeing. David, something we don't we haven't spoke much about because by the time we're done with Arisa, we're, we're kind of at the hour or, or whatever. Uh, the implementation matrix, something that we include in the Risa is for, for those that don't know what that is, is, you know, we, we kind of try to develop a persona of who the person is as a, as a client. Uh, as many of you know, the Risa itself identifies strategies, income protection, time segmentation, risk wrap, what have you. But we also go bring in two factors where we bring in self-efficacy, retirement income self-efficacy and advisor usefulness, i.e. cost effectiveness, really. And we can, by getting your views on that, we can identify personas. If someone's a delegator, mm -hmm. if someone's a collaborator, if someone is a self-directed investor, or if someone is a validator. Uh, real quick, self-directed investor... You know, they they will do things themselves. They you know they think they, they think they're as smart as an advisor, or you know can read a book and be right where that advisor left off, and they don't think an advisor is cost effective. Fine. Uh, a delegator is somebody that low self efficacy thinks an advisor is cost effective and wants an advisor to to help guide them, but they're more outsourcing it. They they just want to know what time what time it is. They don't necessarily want to know how the clock works. Dele uh, collaborator. High self-efficacy, high advisor usefulness. They want to be part of the team. They want to help direct, but they realize the wisdom that an advisor brings to the table. And validator, hey, look, I know I need help during certain points, but I don't want an ongoing relationship with an advisor because it's not worth it to me for whatever reason. And they just, you know, they just kind of like, like a tide comes in and comes out, comes in and comes, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, does that inform? Has that informed your your client base or your prospect base in in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, I definitely would, Alex. It's, it's a great it's a great part of it, especially as we keep talking about these you know potential people that we have to choose to decide if they want to be a good fit for us. It's like when we were first setting out our reasons, it was a requirement that we had that in the the way that you can you know customize how much you want in the recent questionnaire. It was a requirement because we wanted to know where is this person coming from. And are they going to be, you know, a good fit for us? And, you know, when you look at those type of results, it's pretty, it's pretty clear for us to say yes, yes or no. And, and up front, you can be able to address it and say, hey, let's talk a little bit more about this. And you can delve in a little bit deeper. And you also, for a lot of the reasons, find out that personality is going to match, usually also tied into where their that behavior is coming from, whether it's just the, the type of professional 
you know, environment that they're in, whether it's, you know, just how they've been brought up, but it gives us a very good sense going into that first meeting or that second meeting, how we also think we could work well or not work so well Amen. together with that person. If you wanted to elaborate on that. No, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's an awesome tool. And again, it's not, it's not our opinion on, on are they a delegator or are they <laughs> collaborator or self-director? You know, it's boom. It's they are telling us that. And, you know, everybody that is probably going to listen to this podcast, we, we've all taken on clients that we shouldn't take on. We knew it from the beginning, really. Right. And again, this is just just more evidence that that helps us, you know, again, make the right decision on whether or not we want to work with this family. Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com and subscribe to our newsletter where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals. Yeah, and, and it's a little different even than the – and these are personas that are kind of – everyone knows about it. We didn't discover it. It's just we kind of quantified it. But it's a different take on the personas you had mentioned CEG. I think CEG breaks them down by like VIPs, stewards. High net worth personalities. Uh, whatever, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. I, I think this is kind of more brass tacks. What, what's walking through the door here? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we all have preconceived notions when someone comes walking in, like someone says, well, I, you know, I, I'm an engineer, like, well, oh, shit, you know, <laughs> but it, sometimes they'll come out different, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Engineers like spreadsheets, usually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you imagine yeah. Generally more like, comfortable. oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the, the collaborator type environment, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's tricky, right? Validators and collaborators. Validators are kind of you think they leave you alone and and they're you know and they're easy, but I, I prefer collaborators. I do too. Yeah, I totally agree. So as you, yeah. it's up. always interesting too when you get sorry, wait, oh, go ahead. you get a couple, and they they differ so much on those as well. And oh yeah, you see that a lot in couples where one wants to handle all the the money issues, one doesn't. And once, like for us, we really want them both to be involved because it's that important of a first meeting that you, you start to see those personalities on, on the implementation matrix clash just in front of us in a meeting. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, uh -huh. it's a little awkward points, but you get yeah. through it. And it's a good thing to have also, though, as, as informing you as how you're going to be able to work with these people together. Yeah. Yeah. In that regard, do you have any interesting examples of maybe a case study that, you could walk us through a little bit in terms of how you achieve that sort of balance if it's a couple or just interesting examples from your experience with the RISA? Yeah, I, I could think of, uh, you know, well, it's just happened quite a bit in the last couple months. But I mean, we usually just, I mean, you know, one is definitely afraid of uh, running out of money. The other one doesn't really care. I mean, it, it varies from, hey, I, I think we should have a mortgage. So I don't think we should have a mortgage. And a lot of times we let them talk it out. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. the best thing to do is just be, as Dan Solon says, an active listener. And they'll they'll come to their own agreement together on things. And but we really we really encourage them in, you know, to talk it out and um, to look at this together as a team. 
you know, not only just with us, but with their CPA, with their state planning attorney, because, you know, granted, most of the time the spouses really don't know what's going on. And we really want them to be involved. You know, you've been in the business long as long as I have, and you're as old as I am. You know, you see what happens when the spouse passes. If 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 the wife in the relationship wasn't on board with everything that was going on, it's just, you know, on top of everything else that they're going through, it just becomes an extremely difficult situation for the surviving spouse. So we encourage it. We let them talk it out. And um, again, it's um, the the whole what this does is just like with with DFA, it makes we always say the accumulation of assets is extremely easy. If you follow the evidence, you know, to have a simple path with that, you know, X percent of your income is coming from some guaranteed sources, whether it's a pension plan, Social Security and annuity. It's all about simplicity, all about simplicity. Oh, I, I agree. Uh, how can how can people find out more before we, we get to the end without even doing it before? <laughs> how do people find out more about the the 4-8 group? You know, let's do a little infomercial here. Infomercial. Yeah, well, on phonics, well, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, of course, we're at uh, www.the48group.com. You can uh, learn more about us. Uh, David and I, every Friday, do something that's called a message from the founder. Um, and that's usually on Facebook and, and link Facebook and LinkedIn. And um, we talk a lot. We give a little bit of market perspective. And then we give a little bit of what we call return on meaning perspective. Um, so um, that's how you can find out more about us. Check out the videos because they, they, they'll really tell you who we are and what we're about, is, and what we believe is, in and why we're Do you we're do different. LinkedIn Live or you just record the video and then upload it? Record the video and upload it. Uh, yeah. I don't. Ever... David does. The guy that's never seen a rotary phone in my <laughs> yeah. office, he does all really? that. David, you should try LinkedIn Live. Wade and I have been like kicking that around a little bit lately. Not really? bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're kind of we're not as buttoned up as probably we should be. So we just we're like one take and it is what it is kind of thing. Yeah. If you feel comfortable enough with that, run it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Let, let it rip. At the end of the day, what difference is it going to make, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, what's the what's the Japanese phrase? Wabi sabi? Is that what it is? Wait, wabi sabi? Something like that? Like no, there's, uh, there's, there's a perfect time. amount of imp- like oh. the perfect amount of imperfection. I think it's called something like that. Yes. Uh, okay. You like you know, yeah, it, it, there's there's right. something about not being too polished. It, it's always yeah. good to have a little bit of rawness in it. Like yeah. I don't know. I thought you were gonna say what like, what did the bee say to the to, to the sushi? Uh, wait, I know this one. I, I freaking yeah, know yeah, this you one. got it, Alex. Oh, what's up, B? <laughs> <laughs> Got you. I got you. <laughs> Wait, who does he think he's talking to? Who does this guy think he's talking to? <laughs> right, David. David, what do you think, David? That was, huh? that was impressive. I love it. Love it. That's funny. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I had to go into my Rolodex there. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's awesome. Here, let's, let's, let's bring it back home, right? What, what's serious yeah. question here? All right, since you were talking about disagreements in terms of implementation, somebody's a delegator, you know, let's say the wife's a delegator, the husband's a collaborator, et cetera. What happens if, if uh, you give them the RISA and they differ in strategies? How do you reconcile that? How do you go about reconciling? That or just even elucidating to them, hey, you guys have two different methods of how you want to source retirement income. Let's let's unpack that. So you're talking about if um, 
one is in agreement with time segmenting and the other exactly. is not. Yeah, and the um, other is whatever. Uh, yeah. Total return. You know, I uh, we've never had that situation, have we, David? Not, I mean, not really, because they usually, again, are coming back on the same page of, all right, we have to work together as a team. And in the rare cases that they do, you know, if they we can tell there's enough of a difference, but it doesn't really come out in the results because they're gotcha. like filling it out usually together. And yeah, a lot of times they're filling it out together. Is there you may want to try – that that could work, but you may want to try separately as well. Simply, that's a good point. Simply because, you know, how there's always somebody that's a little more like – I, you know, they're going to browbeat them while they're, I mean, I'm exaggerating to make the point, right? Mm-hmm. But they could be looking over their shoulder as they're taking it. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, what would you do, Alex, if I'm if sure. Wade and I were married, I'd be like, whatever Wade answers, I'll answer yeah. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> How have you guys handled that at McLean? That's a very interesting question. What do you do? Yeah, I, I would do it separately just as, as, a, as, as a going forward matter. Uh, how do we handle that at McLean? I, I, they do it separately mm-hmm. and then they come back and there's two ways to go about doing it. You can, let's say if someone is at its, at its most extreme case to make the, the reconciliation easy, if someone is highly, highly, highly time segmentation, you know, high on optionality, high on safety first, that's effectively someone that just wants to hold cash. Mm-hmm. Really think about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have someone that's at the other, at an extreme of, uh, I want a lifetime income stream in perpetuity, you know, maximizing mortality credits, right? A SPIA and call it a day, right? So how do you do that, right? There's two ways. You can earmark assets, you know, some goes to the, some goes to each person, you know, and split the assets so that they go evenly among both of them, you know, and bucket and, and kind of cookie jar it like that. Uh, some advisors have done that, you know, and again, the example is a little extreme. So just bear with mm-hmm. me. The other way that I, I kind of I gravitate towards personally and, and Wade and I I think Wade does simply because we've always used this example, so I'm assuming and he's never Wade has never said that's crazy, I let you fill out the is, uh, Yeah, right. Uh, the the other way is kinda like, okay, if someone wants extreme optionality and the other person wants extreme commitment orientation, perhaps a bond ladder, let's say of five to seven years mm-hmm. could work. Because then both of them are compromising a little bit in their themes. And so essentially you, you put together a, a five, seven year ladder, whether it's bonds or migas or whatever, it, it doesn't matter. You know, that kind of thing. And that way you've kind of, a, 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 you kind of uh, compromise for both mm-hmm. of them in a, in a manner that still has strong echoes of their style. It's just, you know, they're relaxing some of their, their things in order to compromise. Now, I think that's a far better way to go about it then if somebody you give them a risk questionnaire which i think is complete bs really Amen. but you give somebody a risk questionnaire and someone comes in at 100 percent equity zero percent fixed income and and 60 percent equity 40 percent fixed income and they just literally split the baby and say okay we're just going to do an 80 20 portfolio yeah or the tie goes to the runner the runner being the least you know the most conservative person they just do 60 40 i think that's stupid because all you're doing there is just it's still total return approach. You're kind of, you didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. You follow? Uh, and so I, I think this helps you take out your advisor's hat a little bit more. Not a little bit. It helps you take out your advisor's hat in a major way and really come up with a creative solution, which is what you get paid for, you yeah. know, to help accommodate 
you know, both parties in a meaningful way. I think that I think you get that ability when you give it to them separately. Did that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we need to start doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Wait, any anything to add to that or? No. Well, I mean, I also sometimes you can kind of think about by building that protected floor to help the person who is more safety first commitment oriented you really can frame that as now with the other assets you can go ahead and go you wild can. with whatever you're wanting yeah, to do because, return guy. and that is also a way to satisfy both individuals yeah that's a very good point yeah yeah uh, and why don't we end up with this question here uh how has the risa affected your own planning if at all, maybe you say, no, it's just confirming what I'm already doing or, or whatnot. To me, it has. I, I, I came out in protection of all things. And you come to realize that, yeah, it, I, I kind of am, you know. And so I'm, I'm kind of in the process of, of going, you know, going through the machinations of what I need to do for, from that vantage point. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Any any aha moments from actually taking it and, and doing that self-discovery? I wouldn't say any aha moments for me because I've been, you know, always a proponent. Lori and I have have taken like you know, a lot of our assets. Again, being your own business owner and, and working with people yeah, that have, so. best, you know, teachers, uh, retirement or, or a pension plan from the government. It's always something, obviously, that we don't have as as business owners. And I always wanted that. And so having, you know, geez, I'm going back to today's Pacific Life, 10 percent credit, you know, when there was that. uh Race, uh, arms race on, on living benefits. So we've always had that. Like I said, if anything, it's reinforced me. But uh, Alex, I had a client the other day ask me, what would I do differently? You know, looking back over 24 years, I would definitely, you know, the fact now that I have equity or that I have uh, annuities, I understand the, the resiliency of capitalism, right? And I've just recently changed because of the fact that I've got a lot of protection and we call annuities guardrails. I've got a lot of guardrails that, you know, I've moved, I, I was a 60-40 investor for the longest time. Lori and I have become now an 80-20 because I, I, I can look back and see 50 years of data. I can look back and see 24 years of data, what a 100% equity portfolio has done for me uh, or would have done for me versus a 60-40. And I think now that I, I have these guardrails, I'm even more confident that I can be more aggressive to the point that Wade made a little earlier. So mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's, I've always been a proponent, um, but I feel more comfortable becoming a lot more aggressive than what I used to be. No, that's great. David, anything on, on your end? Yeah, on no, no, my end, really, um, just going through it myself, you really put yourself in those in those fine shoes. The first time I took my own Risa, I was like, I was like, how many, how many more pages am I going to have for this? At first, that's what I thought, you know, because um, I was like, oh, I don't know how long this is. And then I and then I was like, this is great, though, because every time I got to a new page, I was like, this is reinforcing my my original beliefs of where I would end up. And I was close, close to total return, like right on the edge of total return and time segmentation and everything that, you know, being a, a young investor, that's all all I'm thinking about is a long term time horizon if I'm lucky. And it, it really did, though, set in, the, set in my shoes, yes, confident that these answers that they give me back are exactly what, what I feel towards my, my own individual investor plan. No, dude, that's, that, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I think we're good. Wade, any, any, 
any more stuff to to add? I mean, I could talk to you guys forever. I mean, uh, you can tell we're no. There's a there's a I, our firms are very similar, so there's this kindred yeah. sort of spirit that I I, I kind of dig. Yeah, yeah, and, the- and you like and you like dad jokes too, so that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, no, uh, well, I mean, look, it, it, it's been great. I really uh, appreciate all, all the support you've given us. And uh, and I'm you know very excited to give you, give you guys uh, a little standard to tell your story. I, you know, I, I think it's a story worth telling and everyone should know about the 4-8 yeah. group. I, I, think it, I think you guys are fantastic. Well, look, uh, we appreciate all the work that you've done and the impact that you two are having on, uh, on this industry and more importantly, our, our clients and stuff. Um, thank you so much. It, uh, we, we really enjoy working with you guys and just, you know, you know, hanging out and sharing ideas with, with each other. It's the best thing. No, no, no. I, I, I think it's great. And incidentally, uh, I'll take this off here, but I'll do it here. I, I think I'm going to be in Chicago within the next month or so. I'll, I'll give you a holler. Okay. If, if that does turn out. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everyone. Wade, do you want to do our infomercial? You're yeah, much better yeah. at it than, than I am. <laughs> well, yeah, on the RISA side, so we will be having the RISA Masterclass. It's a three-day, 90 minutes per day opportunity to learn how the RISA works and how you can use it in your firm. It is going to be August 28th through 30th, starting at, I believe, 1 p.m. Eastern time uh, each of those days. And so we'll have a link to that in the show notes for the episode. And also we'll have a link to the 48 group, your website as well. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, David, for being part of the show today and for sharing your experiences. Thanks, everyone, Enjoyed for listening. It. Yeah. And we'll catch you next Thanks, time. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Hey, no, no worries. And, and stay on for a second, Bob. All right, guys. Take care, everyone. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.